The Real Fitness Podcast, Episode 011, The Happiness Formula. Happiness. Some say it's fleeting and conditional, but joy is a real deal. Today's episode is not about wordplay or an attempt to distinguish between happiness and its other synonyms. Happiness, joy, peace of mind, fulfillment, success, whatever it is, pick your word. We all want to be happy. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want an inexhaustible spring of happiness that makes our lives worth living. We are all in some way, shape or form in pursuit of this type of happiness. Deep, true, lasting, unconditional happiness. So, how do you really become happy? What does it mean to be happy? What does science and research say is a way for humans to be happy? Is there a formula to happiness? What is it? And could it work for me or you? And what can I start doing today, right now, to help me get on my way to a happy and more fulfilling life? I shall attempt to answer these questions and many more on today's episode of Real Fitness. Thanks for tuning in. Gather your tribe around your phone or your speaker. Call a friend to come join you for coffee and just play this. Or forget about the long commute home because I've got a great show planned out for you today, guys. I hope you stick around. So, unhappiness, worry, dissatisfaction, discontentment, anxiety, these are all learned emotions and state of beings. While we were all growing up as kids, we all began to learn from society how to care, how to worry, how to be anxious, how to be unhappy. True happiness is not a feeling. It's not just an emotion. True happiness is really our natural state of being. It was intended for us as humans to operate from a state of happiness, at least fundamentally. While I was doing my study for this episode, I came across the words of the greatest teachers ever, that's Jesus. And at a time, he was talking to his disciples and he told them that it would take people being like children to enjoy what's known as the kingdom of heaven. Little children, before they begin to learn anxiety, worry, and unhappiness, are in a carefree state of simply being happy. I'm going to speak more about how we begin to learn this whole state of unhappiness and anxiety later on in the episode. But I'd like us to consider this excerpt from a poem, Little Gideon, by T.S. Eliot. Now, T.S. Eliot was an American-born poet turned British, and he was also awarded a Nobel Prize in Literature for his outstanding contribution to poetry. He wrote in this poem, Little Gideon, and I quote, 
we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know that place for the first time. End quote. We will always be exploring as humans, pursuing one thing or the other to make us happy, hoping that when we get the next deal, land that job, solve this problem, get married or have kids or increase my savings or kill the idiot who raped me or show my neighbors that I'm richer than them, whatever it is that is driving us to drive ourselves so hard, when we get it, there will always be something new to pursue or to explore. That's what it means by we would always be exploring. Now, I don't mean to say that your needs or your cares are illegitimate or unnecessary. I'll clarify towards the end of this episode. But what I'm saying right now is that if you give into the idea that meeting this goal, whatever it is that's in front of you, will be the end of your exploration, you might be shocked to realize that this is not the first time that you've also had goals that you wanted to meet and that you told yourself that once you met them, you'll feel a lot better and you'll be happy the rest of your life. But that wasn't the end of your exploration because here you are again with another goal that you're exploring. And what happens is that at the end of all explorations, we realize that the things we pursued never really mattered as much as we assumed. When faced with life-threatening situations like a terminal illness, we all come back to that state where we were designed to remain as humans. Contentment, happiness, joy, peace of mind, gratitude, fulfillment, all of these things will have a different meaning to you. Have you ever wondered why it seems like people at their deathbed seem to have a lot more wisdom? It's just perspective, getting back to where we all started from and feeling like we're knowing the place for the very first time. Meanwhile, that is a state that we're all supposed to really live and thrive from. So what is the happiness formula? Could there really be a formula that works? Dr. Martin Seligman is popularly known as a father of positive psychology. In 1998, he became the president of the American Psychological Association. And shortly after he became president, he said that the field of psychology has always been devoted to the sufferings of humans. He's like, we always want to know what's wrong with people which is basically why the discipline was birthed in the first place. You know, let's fix people. They're broken. Seligman then announced that he was going to use his office as president of the APA to explore what was right with people. He wanted to change things. He wanted to explore happiness. And that's why he's considered the father of positive psychology. He came up with this formula for happiness. H equals S plus C plus V. I'll include a link in my show notes to most of his works, but this is going to be interesting. H equals S plus C plus V. Now let's break this down. In this equation, H stands for happiness or whatever your word words, joy, fulfillment, whatever. But for this episode and this equation, H stands for happiness. What the scientific formula suggests is that to get H, we need S plus C 
plus V. You get it? Cool. Easy. And now I'm going to explain. So S stands for set point. The sum of your genetic capacity for happiness. Like, do you even have the capacity to be happy? I know this might sound unfair to ask because we all assume that everyone is going to be happy if we all, you know, got that thing, whatever it is that we wanted in life, whatever it is we're pursuing. But the side point means that things are not the main ingredients to a happy life. You have to have a positive attitude and perspective towards life. Like it is innate. It's in you. It comes from really how you are. For instance, do you see the world as an opportunity or a problem? Do you believe that to everything and everyone there is a time and a season and your time will come? Do you think that the world is against you and everybody wants to use you and no one wants to love you? Do you think that you're the least loved at your place of work? If you're spiritual, do you think that God hates you? All these have nothing to do with outcomes or deals or your shopping experience. I'm talking about your outlook and disposition towards life. I'm sure many of us will know at least one person who seems to always be upset. They're just so hard to please. There's always something wrong somewhere. That's what I'm talking about when we say S stands for your set point. This constitutes for 50% of your daily happiness experience your set point. The sad thing about this huge part of the equation for happiness is that it was programmed in many of us as children. We almost didn't have a choice. So let's say your parents were always complaining and hateful towards life. Chances are that you're almost likely going to end up the same way in one way or the other. Children always look up to us as parents and guardians and elders in the society to learn about the world. They have no point of reference to the world except through us and whatever it is that we expose them to. So every day, by our actions and reactions and attitudes towards life, we are writing a program in our children of how they should see the world. And for the rest of us, you don't have to have your own children to be a part of this influence. As adults, every child expects you to know better in some way or the other, and you contribute to their programming however little there are many things i remember today from childhood that were not taught by my parents and that's why i call it a sad thing because many of us are experiencing a lot of dissatisfaction and anxiety towards life not by the things that we're doing ourselves but by reason of the exposure and the programming that was built in us as children things that formed our set point our perspectives, our dispositions, our outlook towards life. And as you're going to learn further in this episode, many of the things that we think are responsible for our happiness or otherwise really aren't, at least not as much as our set point. This is where I kind of expand on this set point. It can be changed. It can be tweaked. It can be modified. You don't have to respond and become the negative person that the world unconsciously created. You might have never received love and care growing up, but that does not mean that you should be incapable of giving such. You can unlearn and reprogram your set points. You can do this through meditation, centering prayer, self-awareness, self-development, personal development, 
these are tools that can help you towards unlearning and reprogramming what has been programmed in you. You should try taking an audit of where you are and how you are. Be sincere to yourself. How do you really see life? What is your default set point towards life? Then, once you find this out, you can work on how you want to become a better person. You can find helpful mantras or, if you're a Christian, Bible verses that you could use to remind you of your goal towards becoming a better person. I could talk more about these new techniques and reprogramming tools in a future episode if you care for them just leave me a review and um, let me know but for now i'll just back up a little bit and continue on the trajectory for this particular episode but don't forget your set point can be changed the next part of the equation is c c stands for circumstances or conditions of living now this contributes about 12 to 15 percent of a daily happiness experience We're talking about the material things that you have, like your designer clothes, cars, your gadgets, your toys, your job, money, your big house, etc. These conditions of living do not really account for much of your deep and lasting happiness. At least in comparison to your set point, which accounts for 50% of your happiness experience. Conditions of living, your circumstances, doesn't really amount to much. Deepak Chopra and many other studies I came across said the same thing about winning a jackpot. They said, your happiness is only going to be for a moment. After six months, it'll play too. And in about a year, you'll return back to your set point. So by the time you acquire or buy or get whatever it is you're pursuing, so long as they are conditions of living or circumstances, within a year, people return back to the set point. Now, I know that this is some deep stuff, which many people in pursuit of happiness will not agree with, but I promise you it's true. I know someone is saying, oh, well, let me just win the jackpot first and we'll see if I'm not going to remain happy the rest of my life. I also want to tell you that research has shown that executives report only a slightly higher level of happiness than people on the ground floor, those in a post room, the levels of happiness are not different in spite of the difference in their conditions of living. And wait for this, people who were naturally happy and got paraplegic, that is a state of losing functionality of both the hands and the legs, like was the case of Mr. Philippe in um, Kevin Hart's movie. Do you remember that movie? The Upside. People like Mr. Philippe, who are paraplegic, eventually return to their state of happiness. They also eventually return to their set point. So it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, we are always going to be operating from our set point. That is what fundamentally determines how happy or otherwise that we really are. Now, does this mean that you shouldn't get these nice jewels or these nice toys? No, baby, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Nice things in life, there's cool as bleep. But Don't expect them to be the things that will change your life and make you happier and more content with life. They will not make your life more fulfilling. That's all I'm saying. But I've got a plan that works. It's more like a win-win. So just stick with me while I run through this formula. (music) 
V in this equation stands for voluntary controls and choices. These are the things that we choose to do, say, for fulfillment, delight, and sensual pleasure. The operative word here is choice. We choose to do them or not to do them. You know, that's what it means by being voluntary, meaning that we have the power to. This makes up for a larger chunk of this happiness equation than even your living conditions do. And it's so funny I had to bring that up because we seem to pour a lot more energy into the pursuit of living conditions, which amounts for the least part of our happiness and joy and fulfillment. So for your voluntary control or choices, I'm talking about things like sex, travel, food you eat, entertainment, and everything that gives us sensory delight. They make us happy all right, but it doesn't last so long, so they require repetition to keep us happy. It kind of like exhausts its own self, and then we get to re-engage to get a feeling of happiness again. Another aspect of voluntary choices are things that lead towards longer lasting fulfillment like going to work, writing a book, creating your music, deciding to forgive, expressing your creativity, fellowship, and even trying a little kindness, which I spent a whole episode talking about. And um, I'll drop a link to that episode on my show notes. But the thing about these different kinds of voluntary controller choices is that we choose to do them and we could choose not to do them. They're really voluntary. And what that means is that there are things within your power to do, choices that you can make to help you increase your daily happiness experience. Many times we don't do them, not because we can't, we're just not paying attention and we just don't know that these things can really help us feel better and eventually be better. So happiness is a combination of S, your set point or your genetic capacity for happiness, which can be changed and also accounts for 50% of your daily happiness experience, plus C, your conditions of living or circumstances, which is very short-lived and accounts for only about 15% of your daily happiness experience. Plus V, your voluntary choices or controls, the things that you can choose to or not to do daily, weekly. And these voluntary choices because they're short-lived requires repetition to maintain happiness. And for those of us that are Christians, you know, this is not far from scripture or truth. You know that the grass of the fields and neither do any work, neither do they save, but they're clothed, they're taken care of. The best of the skies also, they don't plan to have no money, but someone is taking care of them. So why would you worry? So the Bible says, you remember also the Bible talks about you seeking first the kingdom of God and every other thing will be added unto you, but do this first. Yeah, if you expand on many of the scriptures, you find out that at the end of the day, it's not so far from this formula that I'm giving to you, especially the way that I give it to you with a few tweaks here and there. So what can I do to start living in a state of happiness? There are quite a few things that you can start doing right away to help you start living in a state of deep and sustained happiness. I'll share a few today and I hope it really helps you. So I remember when I was going to get my first brand new car, my wife and I had talked about it and we were not sure what brand to get. But as we kept thinking about it, one day she decided, let's get a red car. And it was like the entire city of King of Prussia where we live and Philadelphia and all the surrounding counties heard our conversation and everybody went to get a red car. 
or those who couldn't afford to buy a new car went and sprayed their car red because it was crazy. The amount of red cars that are in Philly. Like I had no clue. We had this much red cars in King of Prussia, in Philadelphia, everywhere. Everybody seems to be driving a red car. In retrospect, it wasn't like everyone eavesdropped on our conversations and decided to go get a red car. I mean, I would like to be that important, but you know, I'm not yet Queen Bee or Oprah. But what really happened is that the red car became in my focus. Now we talked about it. Now we're focusing on it. And now we were seeing it everywhere. I tell the story to preface my first point, which is what's right with you? The opposite of this question is what we're more used to. We're more used to asking, what's wrong with you? What the heck is wrong with you? Like, what's blipping wrong with you? That's what we're more used to. Remember how I referenced at the beginning of this episode how that psychology has been focused on what's wrong with humans? It's actually not a psychology thing. It's a thing with humanity as a whole. We always seem to want to fix the world. We're always looking for what's broken. Medicine, psychology, social sciences, the health sciences, they all seem to focus more on fixing what's wrong with humanity. Even churches too. They seem to focus on what's broken with people. We're all sinners. The bondage that many Christians live in just because of the idea that they are constantly reminded of how broken they are is just alarming. Like we seem to always be focusing on what's wrong and what's broken and what the problem is. And that is what we always keep seeing every single time. Even businessmen and entrepreneurs that tell us that to be successful, look for a problem in society to solve. Like look for what's broken. <laughs> That's what's ingrained in our psyche today. Look for what's broken, what's wrong. Try to fix it. That's what makes you genius. That's what makes you relevant. They say that no one really cares about your products. No one really cares about what you have to sell or do if you're not solving a problem because there's a problem everywhere. That's the focus. That's what we keep saying. That's why we are so stressed out, dissatisfied, and unhappy. Now, am I trying to knock psychology or medicine or the health sciences or social sciences or, or business patterns? No, these things are so true and they work. But for our sanity as humans, for our sanity as a species, for our longevity and happiness, we need a balance. We need to start asking and looking for what's right with us. What's beautiful about me? The point is not so, Henry again, what should I focus on? What's right or what's wrong? It's not an either or situation. We can do both. It can be both and. Look, I know the humans are profoundly evil, but we are also capable of great good. I know that we are all sinners, but we are also created in the image of God. Both states can and do live within us. There is some good in the worst of us and there is some bad in the best of us. I can't tell you to never live in, say, the negative state because I know that the hustle is real. The grind is going to get to us. Like, we're going to be upset. We're going to show care and concern towards the things that we're passionate about. We will feel pain. You'll need medications. You're going to cry sometimes. Maybe you would even worry a lot. And it's okay. Just don't last there for too long. 
It's okay to feel these negative emotions so long as you give equal or more opportunity to yourself to experience the positive emotions of happiness. The part of you that is the image of God, the genius in you, your beauty, your grace, your grit, your glory, your kind heart, your intelligence, your strength, your humor, all things bright and beautiful about you. Try to be in that headspace as often as you possibly can. Make time to focus on this part of you, the beauty about you, as often as you can. Consciously, it's not going to come to you by default. Remember how the society by default wants to fix what is wrong. For you, you have to give yourself the opportunity to focus on what's right with you. One of the ways you can do this is to make daily notes of the things that make you happy daily. And if nothing makes you happy in a day, <laughs> some of us are like that. Do a search for the times that you've been happy before. You know, try to repeat the things that made it happen for you. For instance, if it was a vacation, try to do it again and note it. Just set yourself and note the things and the moments where you feel the happiest and the things that you do or did at the time. Keep what I call a daily glory journal. It should contain what makes you happy and the things that you do that actually fulfill you. And whenever you think you have focused enough on solving problems and fixing what's broke enough, just pull out your glory journal and focus on what's right with you. I promise you guys, it works. The second thing you can do to increase your daily happiness percentage and experience is to know that you are an individual. Here's what I mean. Yeah, thank you so much, India. The title of that song is Video. I'll drop a link to it in my show notes. It pays to know who you are not, what you are not, and who you are. There are many people whom you could never become like, no matter how hard you try. And maybe you shouldn't even try because they might not even like the lives that you're living, which you're trying to emulate and leave yourself. They might not even like it. Things work differently for all of us. We all have our times. We all have our seasons. Your path is going to be very different from my path. Even as far as your fitness goals are concerned, be you. Shoot for what you need as an individual. Not what is popular, what everybody's saying that I need. What are your goals? What do you need to do as far as your physical fitness is concerned to help you achieve what goal? It's got to be your goal. It's got to be you. Many times I'm at a gym, there's always someone who's kind of better than me. And I wish I could do what they just did and wish I could just look like them without realizing that they too might just be wishing they looked like me or could do the thing I just did. And even if it's not them specifically, which is the person I'm admiring, it just might be someone else who's looking at me like, oh damn, I wish I just looked like that guy. I'm going to be good. Speaking about me now, they wished if they could just do what I did. Meanwhile, I'm always looking at somebody and the day I feel like I've gotten to where that person is, there's always going to be somebody who is doing better than me. My point Unhealthy comparisons gets us nowhere. 
I know this could come across as me being too optimistic, you know, being all positive and unrealistic about the issues that we all face. Some might even say that, oh, if Henry again was as overweight and as broke as I am, he wouldn't be saying the things he's talking about in this episode. Well, mm, let's put it this way. I truly get you. And I said all that I've said to mention that the best place to start attacking your goals from or to start pursuing other things that you're pursuing is from a place of happiness and gratitude for the life that you have right now. And this brings me to my final point. From here, we get there. So I'm not trying to tell you to change your life or change the things that you're doing right now. All I'm saying is handling life's issues will be less stressful on you if you have many of these practices in place to help you live your best life. You can go to work, face the grind, deal with that uncle that would always get on your last nerve, manage to pay your bills and watch your bank accounts literally going orange, nearly red. Look at your daunting homework. Whatever it is that gets you worked up, stressed out and very unhappy. You can look at all of those things and not be as stressed out and as unhappy as you've always been. If you can just practice some of these things, understand what your set point is. Try to tweak it if it needs to be tweaked. Try to focus on what's right with you. Create space, create time, give yourself the opportunity in a day to focus on what's right with you. Understanding that your conditions and the circumstances of living are not really the things that would determine how happy and fulfilled you're going to be in life. So, after you pursue them a while, just come back and understand that I can make choices, voluntary choices today on things I can do today to help me feel better and get me closer to my state of happiness, which should be my natural state. I can do something. I might not have landed the deal. I might not have the car yet or the designer bags, but hey, I can go play tennis with my significant other. Hey, I can go bowling. Hey, I can go see a movie. Hey, I can be kind to somebody. Hey, I can forgive that girl for what she did and, you know, just move on. All of these things are things that you can start doing right now without changing so much of the things that you already do. The only thing that's going to change is that you would do them better. You will be better. Your life is going to be more meaningful and you're just going to feel like, uh, like a room with no roof. And if you're a Christian, remember Romans 8.28, all things work together for your good. Thanks everyone for tuning in to today's episode of Real Fitness. I appreciate all the ratings and the reviews. Please keep them coming in. It goes a long way to help our visibility and it's a good way to get back at me. You know, all the ratings, all the reviews, especially here on Apple Podcasts and then on Google Podcasts or Spotify. You know, matters more than the ones you leave on Instagram. I appreciate them. I appreciate the personal messages. But if you can, please right here on Apple Podcasts where you're listening to me from or wherever it is you're listening to me from, please just scroll down, look for the stars, rate the show and write me a review. It helps my visibility. I really am hoping to be on that front page where you see the new and the noteworthy podcasts and your reviews are going to help me get there. So please, 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 guys, 
help me out. And I promise to keep giving you amazing content no matter what. Helping you live your best life 10 over 10 is what I'm about. And yay, I've got some exciting announcement coming soon. <laughs> I'm taking this to the next level. So guys, stick around. Coming very, very soon. Today's episode was edited and produced by yours truly. Our theme music was composed and created by Eddie Wally Jr. You can find and follow him, great guy, on Instagram at ewallystation. That is E W A R L E Y S T A T I O N. Links to sites, research materials, and content referenced in this episode are all going to be in my show notes at www.realfitness.tv. And you know, I always like to end the show with a real fitness model. So rest your body, move your body, feed your body, and love somebody. I am your fitness and lifestyle coach, Henry again. Bye for now. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Hey, hey, hey. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry.